0: Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And with us this week is special guest, returning guest, Hannah. Hello, hi everybody, I'm Hannah. Welcome back, Hannah. So good to have you back, so excited to talk more historical costumes and this time more specific historical costumes. Yes, this week we're talking about the Blorbos. We are.
1: It's time to (laughs) (laughs) Blorbo.
0: We will be talking about historical costuming and creative anachronisms and our flag means death which is a live-action workplace comedy about 18th century pirates available now on HBO. Pause this podcast and go watch the entire series. We'll wait. There'll be spoilers. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> be spoilers. <laughs> It stars Taika Waititi and Reece Darby, alongside many other comedy legends and wildly talented fresh blood, with an excellent use of historical detail alongside deliberate and thoughtful anachronisms to enhance storytelling, character development, and humor. Also, it's wicked fucking funny and one of the few comedies that rewards viewer investment and makes me feel better instead of worse after watching it.
1: Click A on the buttons now if you think Ken should study to become an auctioneer. Yes.
0: (laughs) I think that quite frequently when I listen to this podcast, actually.
1: (laughs) Sometimes he has a <laughs> sense he's got to get out. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> It's like he's challenging himself sometimes.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: A hundred chapters of Varney the Vampire have, paid me, uh, have trained me well. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the only training you need.
0: <laughs> but returning to the historical detail and deliberate anachronism, the crazy high production value of this HBO comedy allows for some truly incredible costumes, which we will be discussing today beginning with our protagonist, Steed Bonnet, the Gentleman
1: Pirate. Sweet Steed. Blessed Steed. Which I was actually not aware before this that was actually a historical pirate.
0: Yeah, he was actually like a wealthy landowner. This is a fictionalized version based on an actual historical figure. A wildly fictionalized version, yes. Correct.
1: Yeah, a lot of the characters are inspired by actual historical characters. It definitely feels like the
0: writing team took these historical figures as sort of a jumping off point to tell a story that they wanted to tell. With little, like, dribbles of history to make it interesting in the sort of, like, stranger than fiction aspect of it. Very much so. But very little sticking to, like strict timelines, and the costuming in the show makes that abundantly clear. Indeed it does. I would say Steed is probably the most straightforwardly, if not strictly, 1717, then at least 18th century. For the most part, a lot of the cuts of his suits vary pretty wildly, I would say he fits very comfortably into a general 18th century menswear aesthetic, but you'll see a lot of his waistcoats especially are much shorter than they would have been in the early 18th century. <laughs> I do see. Probably just because it's more flattering. Also, he has generally like just solid white stockings. And I am personally requesting that in the next season we see Steed in little clocked stockings. I would like to see it. What is clocked stockings? It's basically a design that goes up from a contrasting heel color up toward the ankle, and I believe it's just originally a design motif that came from the way that stockings were manufactured. It's extremely adorable. I would say Steed also gets Of any individual character, he gets the bulk of the costuming budget because the Gentleman Pirate is not going to see without his full wardrobe and also his secret closet full of another full wardrobe. Absolutely. It's a huge element of his character. It's also really interesting that he sort of says one thing and means another when it comes to his clothing. He has a kind of conflicting relationship with it because as you watch the series, A lot of times, the scenes in which he is the most dressed up, the most kind of restricted by his clothing, he says it's like a flex, it's a power move, it's how you assert dominance. But he also seems the most uncomfortable, whereas the scenes where we see him be the most vulnerable and be the most honest in himself are scenes where he's wearing, like, literal underwear or, you know, his his wrapping gown. Indeed. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Shit. The suit that sticks out to my mind is a series of three different blue suits. Yes. And I believe I found... If not the original, then an inspiration, perhaps? The Los Angeles County Museum of Art has a particular suit in their collection. Oh, yep. This is definitely very similar, Ken, this suit. It is 1760s, so you can see how much slimmer cut it is. That is one of the lovely things and one of the you know, early 18th century things about a lot of Steed's costumes is that his suits tend to be very, very full skirt which they would have been. We are glancing at a three-piece court suit from France circa 1760, which includes coat and waistcoat in a wool plain weave, full finish with sequins and metallic thread embroidered appliques. It's real cute. It's very funky fresh. I don't know what color it was originally. Right now it is a seafoam green. Yeah, it's like minty. With gold trim. It actually looks a ton like the uh, the copycat suit that people seem to be getting either on Etsy or on like... If they're cosplaying Steed, but they're not building the suit from the ground up, I think this suit actually resembles the suit that a lot of people are
1: buying. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I just googled in Steed Bonnet Cheap Cosplay. <laughs>
0: Which is not a dig. Cosplay should be accessible to all people at whatever level of access they want to participate at. That is absolutely rad. It's a cute- It's very cute.
1: It's definitely a hundred percent aping the one that Ken is linked.
0: Hundo P. Yes. So the fun thing about this suit in particular is because I'm me, I had it saved like five years ago and have been admiring it ever since. And then I turn on our flag means death. And Steed shows up in this, and my entire brain explodes. So (laughs) Vindication. (laughs) I was right. It's fashion. Yes. One of the other places that Steed's costume departs from historical accuracy is definitely his hair, which is a pretty common choice for costume designers to make when they're doing period-but-with-a-twist stuff. Usually women's hair is treated a lot more period-accurately. Whereas men's hair is allowed to be a little bit more modern because it allows people to be a little more relatable. Um, And I think, I don't know, on the one hand, it could have been cute to see Steed in a big old, you know, Johannes Brahms fluffy ass wig but I don't think he would have been quite as uh, quite as endearing in the exact same way. Not with his little curly blonde coif. Right, right. His his hair is actually much more, um, it's actually kind of 1840s in its cut. It is very much so, yes. Yeah. I can't believe that's not a wig by the way. I still can't believe that's his hair. <laughs> So, Leslie Jones, who plays a pirate we'll be talking about later in this episode, walked up to him on set and wanted more information about his wig. And when he told her that it was his real hair, she laughed at him. Understandable. Because I would have too. I just want to know how much damage they had to do to his hair to make it do that. (laughs) Every actor who wasn't bewigged who has spoken up about the hairstyling on set has said, yeah, they did a great job and I'm so grateful. The damage to my hair is irreparable. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why it's really important that wigs are high quality and uh, that you like shell out the enormous amounts of money that it takes to have good wigs because the alternative (laughs) is sometimes ruining people's cuticle the alternative is nathan Foad complaining not once but twice at every opportunity about his bald spot he does love complaining though i think it's like a competitive sport for him i love him so much (laughs) i appreciate it it's great The Tiffany blue also serves a really like interesting function just to make Steed stand out from the rest of the crew though. Like it's a very clear, like it's obviously an expensive color. It is obviously a color that you can only get that vividness. You can only get that shade from a silk or like a really, really, really high quality wool. Most other textiles you could dye it that color, but it would have a little bit of like toning to it or it wouldn't be quite as brilliant. So it immediately sets him up as this, like, A, it's, like, main character Disney princess blue. Yes. (laughs) Kind of in the same way that the, like, crazy ex-girlfriend costume designer used that shade of blue, or almost that shade of blue for Rebecca Bunch. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that show, but it's, like, main character blue. Yes,
1: (laughs) I'm gonna start using that more often. Yeah
0: wear it to all your job interviews people will unintentionally
1: just
0: <laughs> yeah you seem reasonable
1: i'm the main character of your company exactly <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of nathan Foad, he plays the cabin boy lucius spriggs a 30 year old man boy <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> It is hilarious watching people, like, post online being like, Lucius is the first mate, why do they call him boy all the time? And I'm like, oh, you function- you've functional. you misunderstood his function to board this vessel. Right, no, his <laughs> job title is boy. <laughs> like. That's, that is why everyone consistently calls him specifically boy. They're not calling him lad, they're not calling him son, they're not calling him child, it is boy because he's <laughs> a cabin boy. Sport. <laughs> hey there, champ. <laughs> hey,
1: buddy. <laughs> cabin champ how you doing i would like the job of cabin champ
0: (laughs) but yes lucius being cabin boy has to transcribe all of steed's wacky misadventures as the gentleman pirate which in the third episode leads to him accompanying steed to the republic of pirates in what is frankly an ambitious incredible and i can only imagine behind the scenes horrifying costuming decision because they are in matching white 18th century suits. Matching white 18th century suits that go through multiple stunt scenes. Multiple stunt scenes that leave one of the suits stained. Yep, And not the other one when the characters are standing side by side. To set the scene. It is a masterclass in visual storytelling through costuming because there's a running gag of Lucius shedding layers as they get repeatedly stained with other people's blood and increasingly wacky happenstance hijinks. Only at the end of this to give the audience a tone-shift gut punch as Steed gets stabbed while wearing an identical suit and his own blood staining it provides a stark and violent contrast, which means it's not just costuming foreshadowing, but it's a costume foil. Which is a level of work I haven't seen a costume do in some time.
1: It's a lot of story to carry for a white suit. It's
0: also, like, an extremely pivotal episode, like, a lot of people will say that episode three is the point where the story as they understand it actually starts. Yes. This is the galvanizing event for, oh, we thought this was a workplace comedy. Haha, JK, it's a love story. (laughs) And this is the place where the tone doesn't completely shift, but the story structure does. And it starts following different story beats than you initially think it's going to. And it's all so fucking beautiful. It's delicious. Uh, Christine Wada, I would just like to point out, she is a master of visual storytelling. She was also the costume designer for Loki, and we all know how gorgeous that was, but also the costume designer on Bridesmaids. So, like, she understands not only intricate historical design, but also extremely personal, character-motivated design humor. So, like, she was the perfect choice for this show. It really does make the series, like, yeah. this could not have worked if they'd gone the Mary Queen of Scots route of putting everyone in Forever 21, you know? It just wouldn't be the same show.
1: (laughs) It's very, the costume is another character. Completely.
0: And the costume takes us out of reality in order to tell stories about Victor. in much the same way that a lot of the setting has these elements of surreality to it. Costume designer Hannah Green worked with Christine Wada on our flagman's death, and if I might quote directly from her Instagram post on the white suits, Christine Wada designed and built almost every piece worn by our principal actors, and I was her fabric sorcerer out hunting for fabrics, trims, notions, and all caps. So many buttons. This is the infamous quote-unquote white look that Laura Wong, the key MTO coordinator, and I still have PTSD over. We ended up making 10 multiples using over 150 yards of fabric, 100 yards of sutash for the wave trim, and I think we had about a week and a half to source build trim everything out. Oh man, just writing that out makes me want to go and lie down. For those who are wondering, I just googled what MTO coordinator means because (laughs) (laughs) I was curious and I don't work in film. It looks like it says made-to-order project coordinator is how it's defined. So she would have been the person basically managing the label of like, the custom builds that were built in-house as opposed to the stuff that they shopped outside of the studio. Oh. Yeah. So making 10 multiples of complicated suits, because like, I'm not a doctor, but the 18th century suit is a little more complicated than your average, you know, suit blazer over nice jeans. Like it's... (laughs) There is. (laughs) You got shirt, waistcoat, breeches, hose, shoes, because the shoes have to match because it's steed fucking bonnet. And then coat... And there's ten of the things, and they have to be tailored to each actor, Yep. and they're white, <laughs> and the plot involves them getting stained in specific ways at specific points as the story progresses, and you cannot fuck this up. You can There's no way to disguise any mistakes! Honestly, looking at these statistics, what surprises me is actually that the jackets that they only allowed six yards for them because they are like they are really full suits. Like they're they're cut very generously so they must just have some really really badass pattern makers who are able to be extremely extremely efficient with their patterns and with their cutting because i don't know if i was designing something that had those patterns my shop manager would probably tell me to get at least 2 yards extra just in case so that's probably what they mean when they say safety 3 oh man so i don't know whether that's 3 separate suits built completely for safety or whether it's just 3 suits worth But given the time crunch that they were on, they probably just went ahead and built three extra suits, which is unhinged. Steed had four. Steed's stunt double had one. Lucius had seven (laughs) because he gets blood spilled on him three separate times. He gets covered in blood! Oh my god, but episode three, as Hannah mentioned, is where the story shifts because enter Blackbeard, aka Edward Teach, bearing little to no resemblance to the historical Blackbeard in any aspect because one, he's played by Taika Waititi, and two, he's our other romantic lead. And boy, did they dress him like one. Okay, let's just get out of the way. It's just Mad Max. He's just Mad Max. It is very literally. It's literally just Mad Max. It's just the Mad Max suit, including the leather jacket with the one arm ripped off just to look dope as hell, and the knee brace, which has since been determined by the fandom to be a deliberate character choice and not just, we copied Mad Max's costume. No, we've decided. (laughs) He has the worst knees known to man, just like me, my Blorbo. He just like me for real, though. He just like me for real. He gets out of bed and his knee cracks like a gunshot. (laughs) It's just brilliant and it's absolutely, I mean, it's absolutely unhinged. Like, even if you're not familiar with Mad Max specifically, like, you see by this costume that he is a badass like he is here to kick ass is wearing leather in the summer in the caribbean a good choice if you're like constantly surrounded by salt water absolutely not (laughs) is it also very cute for sure it includes button up for front leather pants with tearaway snaps down the sides and i don't know that i've ever loved a costume (laughs) more it is brilliant Like you said, is it practical for a Caribbean pirate? Fuck no. Is it practical for a very specific culture of which Blackbeard himself is probably a member of how he dresses his crew? Is anything to go by? Yes! Uh, yeah, the we (laughs) fell into a hot topic and rolled around for a while and then came out dressed as pirates. (laughs)
1: The Judas Priest leather daddy crew. (laughs) Outstanding. That's the thing is, like, the callback to Judas Priest is, I say this with no, nothing to guarantee it, absolutely intentional. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I can say with some confidence. Absolutely. I just, okay, for those of you who don't have a working knowledge of late 20th century metal scene... So Judas Priest was started by a man who was gay and closeted, but also making metal music, and he looked at Tom of Finland drawings, and he was like, I'm going to dress my band like this, we're going to make a hell of a statement. And so then he did, but people who weren't also gay don't know what Tom of Finland is. So the rest of the metal scene just looked at a bunch of guys in head-to-toe black leather, and like, you know, harnesses, (laughs) and were like, yeah, this is what metal is. We will also (laughs) dress like this. And now that's just the look of the metal scene and only very recently has everyone realized. People invented everything, you're welcome.
1: It cannot be overstated the extent to which like, Rob Halford created the metal look. Like, that's it, that is the beginning and end. Not a lot of people did anything like what he did. He showed up on the scene looking like a Thomas Finland drawing like in his dreams and he changed everything forever. <laughs>
0: including our flag means death because now the entirety of blackbeard's crew looks like this it's so fucking good (laughs)
1: It's outstanding. (laughs) Tear away leather pants!
0: It's such a caricature of, like, the story that Steed tells himself about, like, what real pirates are, too. Like, so much of what he knows about pirates is taken from books that Blackbeard himself says are not accurate. He's like, why do I have nine guns? (laughs) I have one gun and one knife just like everyone else. (laughs) Just like everyone else. Although, given the number of pockets that did exist in those tight little pants historically. I really am holding out scene at some point where they do the trope of like somebody removing like 3,000 different knives from
2: yes. hidden pockets all over
0: their person. I bet it's gonna be Jim. I want it to be Jim. I need it to be Jim so badly. I also need Jim to get a spoilers Leather Daddy crew glow up because yes. like Vico Ortiz who plays Jim has been posting some um, inspiring cosplays on their social media They're thirst traps. Call them what they are. They're thirst traps. (laughs) Inspiring cosplay. (laughs) Aspirational costuming, if you will.
1: (laughs) Dress for the job you want. Amen. Exactly.
0: And the job Vico Ortiz wants is Leather Daddy (laughs) Jim. I also want that for Vico Ortiz. I want that for them so very badly. Yes. But yes, I think it's really part of the charm of the series that, you know, the real the real tough guy pirates are this kind of cartoonish version of what a badass looks like. It's kind of a childish vision of, you know, what does hardcore really mean? Well, it means a studded belt for a headband. That's what it means. Oh my god. I love fang as a character so much i love david fane as an actor so much he's a treasure i love the costuming to choice of they literally just took this man and said okay you're wearing all black and we're putting a studded hot topping belt around your forehead magnificent (laughs) and it works and that plus the like kind of upgraded party city pirate costume that goose Khan is wearing with the like (laughs) (laughs) stripey shirt with shredded sleeves like I have seen that I love that striped shirt so much it's great it's so beetlejuice it's so good (laughs) that is one of the things that the costume in a lot of her actually is that like she used stripes as very much a jumping off point you see them in a lot of the characters clothing and it is because they were a very common design motif for sailor's clothing a lot of sailors are illustrated wearing striped shirts, including the Guernsey frock, which was a knitted garment, obviously not seamed at the arm's eye, like Lucius's, you know, little HM t shirt, but <laughs> you know, she takes that design motif that's sort of an understood archetype of sailor and then takes it and does something like delightfully weird with it. So delightfully weird. Yep. So, one last quick point about Edward's just Mad Max but Leather Daddy costume. The boots. Are they motorcycle boots? I
2: think.
0: (laughs) Because I have seen them in real life (laughs) and the dudes that I have seen wearing them... They are either on a motorcycle, making out with another man, or making out with another man on a motorcycle. Like, it's a very specific subculture that has the boot with the three straps around the ankle connected by a big, big, big o-ring. Yeah. Like, it's... (laughs) No, absolutely. They're definitely motorcycle boots. Excellent. I'm so glad. I'm so happy for them.
1: And they're very gay. They're super gay.
0: They're so I, I love how much how very quickly any expression of hyper masculinity becomes homoeroticism. just like how, how quickly that shifts. It's magnificent because I think you know so many of these so many of these aesthetic choices, like it bleeds back and forth. It is funny that, like, with the Mad Max costuming decision, the place where the designer decided to make it more accurate was the fall front, because that is another thing that, again, doesn't happen until later in the century. Which, it's just yet another thing that's <laughs> – but it's necessary because he's got this short little motorcycle jacket, and if he had a center you know, center front closure in the same way that somebody in seventeen seven had a center front closure, being decent – too too saucy
2: Slutty
0: <laughs> More on Izzy hands pants later The hussy Who are... <laughs> But yes, all of that leather would instantly dissolve at sea But we're ignoring that because it looks amazing Exactly <laughs> And no sooner do we see Steed and Edward in their full regalia Than they decide to do a wacky clothing exchange So Steed gets stabbed. Steed passes out. Last thing Steed sees before he blacks out is Blackbeard. Steed wakes up. Blackbeard is standing over him. No longer suffering from, like, blood loss and battle haze, Steed does not instantly
1: recognize Blackbeard. Well, like, he he has no idea what he looks like to begin with. Right! That's just, like, a guy. Right. He's just some dude. He's just a guy. He's just some guy. Which is, like, way scarier. Way scarier to wake up and just have a guy looking at you. (laughs) Except Steed
0: isn't scared. Because the first thing that Blackbeard does while exploring Steed's captain's cabin is pick up a certain piece of cloth that has become highly controversial within the Phantom. Hotly
2: dated.
0: He picks up a beautiful, beautiful piece of fabric and asks Steed, Is this silk? And then Steed says, No, it's a rather exquisite cashmere. And I firmly believed that my new best friend, Our Flags Mean Death, would never lie to me about whether or not a fabric was cashmere. <laughs> Granted, none of the furniture in the entire series can possibly be any earlier than 1730, but they would not lie to me about the fabric identification.
1: They couldn't possibly. They would never. It wouldn't do. It's cashmere.
2: And then
0: D saw it and said, there's no way that's
1: cashmere. To
0: my face, D
1: says this. <laughs> I am something of a cashmere aficionado. Ooh.
0: <laughs> All right, make your case, Dee. I want to hear this.
1: Well, cashmere is a knit. And although a knit can be very fine to the point of being silken, it is still a knit. Perhaps if it were rather exquisite. It is still a knit with texture. Is cashmere
0: always knit? I thought it just referred to the fiber itself and that you could have woven cashmere. That was my understanding as well, yes.
1: Yes, I frequently am confused about the fact that woven cashmere is referred to as a knit. I think it's just that it's a yarn. Oh yeah, that's bogus.
0: I think it's just that it's like a wool and people are confused.
1: People don't understand
0: that wool can be good actually. Wool good actually.
1: I just, I don't see the qualities of cashmere, particularly texture, in that piece when he says a very fine cashmere.
0: It's smooth and soft. Yeah, would you see it having like, like, a little bit more fuzz to it. Because I've seen, like, super wash, like, super, super nice wools that are what they call a cool hand, so it's, like, kind of click feeling but it's still wool yeah like my cloak that i have because i'm me is wool d but it is super smooth because i went to the good fabric store and i said give me the good wool and then they did and then they rang me up and they said you know how much this is per yard right i just need to know before i cut this i'm like yes i am aware of how much it is per yard please cut me nine yards of it thank you
1: yes but that's still clockable (laughs) as wool at like 90 yards like i can say ah a fine wool but that's just wool it is
0: not cashmere wool It is not quite so exquisite as the cashmere that Blackbeard then rubs all over his face because he just like me for real. I'm in very real danger of going down a serious Google hole, (laughs) 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 which is, by the way, my drag name. Um... (laughs) I feel like we should come back to this because I think maybe I am confused, but I want to double check this because I definitely have handled like very fine like merino that has felt almost silky and has been like super super fine and like could create the kind of creases that you see in this gif that Ken has so helpfully uploaded. <laughs>
1: Now, Merino, Merino, I would not put up so much of a fight about. I would say, yeah, I think Merino could probably drape like that.
0: Is cashmere more kinky?
1: I think cashmere can do it too if it really believes in itself. <laughs> cashmere has a weight to it. Okay. And that drapes like a silk. Unless it's a blend, unless it's a blend, it could be a blend.
0: I think it's a pashmina because I read it on Tumblr.
1: It's cashmere. Uh... Sometimes you get pashminas, which are a cashmere silk blend. That is possible. Okay,
0: so the doyleist explanation for this is that that is probably a pashmina. Like, we see it once in the series, like, it does not show up again. And then we see it a thousand and hundred times over. On again Tumblr. on Tumblr when we watch the same <laughs> gif over and over. And meanwhile, you know, Christine Wada and Hannah Green, you know, seeing the gif sets and they're like, shit, we should have actually gotten cashmere, but we were out of budget by that point. <laughs> We're out of budget for the (laughs) handkerchief-sized section of cloth that appears on screen for three. Listen, sometimes you gotta prioritize. That could, uh, genuinely, it looks like a scarf I own.
1: That is also what I am going on. My second thing is I have never seen a pure cashmere that has such an elegant and detail-heavy design on it. That's fair. Perhaps a paisley design, which would be very common for a pashmina. Is it that Steed doesn't know what cashmere is? And I hate to be a pedant about it, but while a pashmina may contain fine cashmere, I would not introduce it to someone as a fine cashmere.
0: Not even an exquisite cashmere?
1: (laughs) Not even. The steed
0: is just a pretentious dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: I think that characterization holds up through the series. <laughs> he's trying to impress his new boy, little guy who he obviously thinks is like, he doesn't know his Blackbeard, but he thinks he's like a super cool badass pirate. But he's like, this is something that I actually know something about and that I can flex about. The fanciest word that comes to mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the most impressive fabric it could be. Yep.
0: <laughs> Cause silk silk you can't chew on the word as much as a cashmere.
1: Cashmere. <laughs> cashmere. And an exquisite cashmere at that.
0: Exactly. And upon discovering that this unknown sexy badass pirate fancies a fine fabric, Steed immediately <laughs> takes him into his secret wardrobe. <laughs> which is more suits than I think any man, regardless of wealth owned in the 18th century. Oh no, absolutely. This is like, this is a cartoonish (laughs) amount of wealth that we are seeing. This is like an emperor's wardrobe. (laughs) And shortly upon revealing this splendid wardrobe to an amazed Blackbeard, Blackbeard concocts the plan of, hey, let's swap outfits. You know, for fun, like bros do. Take off your pants. And then (laughs) two dudes chilling in a wardrobe.
1: That's how I meet all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Take off your pants.
0: Unfortunately, I will say that is tragically the first time that I meet a lot of actors that I then eventually become ah
1: oh, the theater
0: <laughs> that is <laughs> that is basically how we meet hi here if you're fitting take off your pants nice to meet you right hi nice to meet you <laughs> please go in this little room where we will dress you up make you look so fancy. And that is the first time Steed and Blackbeard swap clothing. It is by far not the last. Yeah. That's the first time they swap full outfits, but they continue to swap individual smaller pieces throughout the rest of the series, including exchanging all of their rings and putting them on each other's hands on the correct fingers. Yeah. You know, like bros do. Bros. And <laughs> so chill <laughs> and then there is Steed's black necktie which goes on such a journey because it starts on Steed and then it's on Blackbeard and then it's on Steed that's on Blackbeard that's on Steed that's on Blackbeard and it ends the series on Blackbeard on the Kraken which is an interesting choice considering where the story goes yeah an interesting intriguing and telling choice that's the choice that did me the most psychic damage when they revealed that they were like was that the same neckerchief?" <laughs> and david jenkins was like yes yes it was
1: oh i have the screenshot yes <laughs> of course you do i wouldn't do
0: because i'm a crazy person all right petty simac on twitter asked showrunner david jenkins regarding the costuming with photos of blackbeard at the end of the series is this the same scarf slash karate he got when they exchanged clothes and then kept on wearing through the rest of the show i need to know so i can sleep at night thank you to which david jenkins replied yes Go to bed. <laughs> Helpful. This after Blackbeard has very pointedly thrown almost everything that belonged to Steed overboard.
1: But he kept the sky.
0: In the messy breakup montage I think I have ever seen.
1: Yeah, it um it it works. Let me just say, boy, those emotions sure can feel. Those emotions sure can.
0: Especially, we also mostly only see Steed wearing that little cravat in like the very first episode, right? It's in the first episode. I believe it's in the second. It is not in the third because he's wearing the absolutely mind-boggling white suit. Yeah, But he puts it on again in the fourth alongside his fanciest shirt because, okay... (sighs) So you're in your secret wardrobe with a cool pirate. Natch. And every other shirt you are seen wearing in the series is like, a very nice but ultimately pretty basic linen shirt. Mm-hmm. And you look at this handsome pirate and you're like, no, this is a man who appreciates a fine fabric. I need to put on my frilliest and laziest possible shirt to impress him. Gotta look cute! And also my little black <laughs> necktie. <laughs> Which then ends up on Blackbeard because they swap outfits like pros do. Right. I feel like I want to break this down more. I think I would have to, oh no, I have to watch the series again. Oh no. Oh no. It's, <laughs> um, I'll do it tonight. <laughs> but I'm curious to see whether the black neckerchief happens when Steed is kind of performing Steed bonnet. Cause he does not wear it all the time and he definitely doesn't wear it. Even all the time that he's wearing the blue suit which he wears again after Jack like initially kind of breaks them up. So I don't know. I kind of want to track that and see whether it's see whether I've connected the dots or whether I haven't connected shit. <laughs> <laughs> the other parts of Steed's outfit that I believe tie most into Blackbeard's journey would be the wrapping gowns.
2: Yes.
0: The depression robe as they say.
1: Love the wrapping gown. My personal favorite. So there are two robes that Steed owns, that
0: Edward ends up in. And one is the yellow robe of bathtub confessions, and the other is the red depression robe. (laughs) Delicious. How would you describe these garments, Hannah? So, I've seen a lot of people describe both of them, like refer to them as banyans, which is not... I don't think it's technically correct. I think a banyan is usually more fitted, and a wrapping gown is a little more loosey-goosey, comfy cozy. But depression robe is a perfectly fine moniker. The yellow one is this sort of like mustard thing that he refers to in the first episode as his battle jacket.
2: Yes,
0: <laughs> sure, babe. Okay, and it has this absolutely delicious uh, sutash trim on it that's in the shape of breaking wave. And that's the Ed ends up wearing when he finally reveals that he is the Kraken, like he he killed his father, and that he has been planning to, spoiler, try and kill Steed. And take his identity. So the clothes dropping is heterosexual after all. (laughs) It's normal! It's normal normal
1: and it's so butch. (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying on your life to see if it would fit. You know. You know, like a straight guy does yeah you know with men yeah and
0: then the second one it's a cotton velvet that is block printed um and the designer bought it from a vendor in india and i know this because uh hannah green the design assistant posted about it and then a whole bunch of really wonderful lunatics tracked down this material and i did in fact buy six yards of it and i did commission Screen. <laughs> I
1: was wondering, I was wondering when I'd get a chance to ask you if you had done that. Yeah. <laughs> and now I know
0: I have the answer. It is remarkably lovely fabric. <laughs> like, it is shockingly soft. So, this robe, this beautiful, symbolic, and oh so snugly robe obviously, Steed is kind of a clothes horse, but the drama of this print is actually pretty, period basically the real estate that these wrapping gowns would provide was like a really good place to show off a really big dramatic print that was uh very very popular in the early 18th century toward the middle to the end we end up seeing more of those like little dainty florally like rococo like (laughs) that's a technical term (laughs) You have to make scroll noises. Yes. Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, the print. It's period accurate because we're still very much in kind of this Baroque aesthetic sensibility, which is very sort of overblown and dramatic It definitely makes sense. It's kind of poetic, actually, that the current day, you know, 21st century costume designer actually got this material from India because that is still, as in the 18th century, where a lot, a lot, a lot of printed textiles came from. And it's where a lot of Europeans got their love of these bright colors and these intricate block prints. The shape of the wrapping gown is also um, Steed's red depression robe, the like the magenta one with the birds on it. It's cut kind of like a combination kimono wrapping gown and it's got almost a Watteau back. Or, like, it's got a big inverted double box pleat, so it has this big, like, dramatic volume. But the kimono shape would have also been something that that Europeans were beginning to be familiar with through the Dutch, who were the only people that Japan would allow to trade with them at the time. The burn motif itself, I don't know how old it is. I think it would be really interesting to do some digging because the company has been using this print for quite some time. I don't know when, when the print originated, but I do know that a lot of textile makers, as long as the print blocks are still usable, they will just use them until they break. And a lot of block printing textile manufacturers are the same as they were. Like, it's the same people making the stuff as it was at least in the 1800s, if not earlier. That is a wild
1: continuity. Yeah. Isn't that bananas? There is a whole collection market for the smaller, specifically Indian printing blocks.
0: Yes, I actually, I, um, so I wasn't able to actually purchase some because it was out of my budget, but I was able to, like, clone them and make a stencil out of some for a costume design that I just did. Oh! Yeah, yeah. We did some, like, designs based on a couple of those, the antique wood blocks. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, pin it onto some silk gorgeous moving on from our protagonists to our supporting cast a lot of people have noticed one particular member of steed's crew olawande has some unusual footwear (laughs) for the 18th century
1: what are those what are those And that it
0: very much appears that he is just wearing Crocs. He is literally. Which is very funny and tells you so much about his character because he's not a pirate because he wants to be a pirate. He's a pirate because he has no other options. And he'd really just rather be hanging out and being chill to everyone. He just wants to be, like, gardening. That's what Crocs say to me. He's a gardener. (laughs) Or a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> He's a cozy, comfy guy. He is. I just, I love the weathering that they did on them. Like these like yes. cartoonishly large stitches to make them look like handmade, but then they left the straps on. I can't tell if what they did, because like, again, just glancing at it, you're like, oh, that guy's wearing Crocs. That's hilarious. But like, no, they've doctored a pair of Crocs to look as though they were made in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is so much funnier. Than just having him work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of worked on me because I didn't realize they were crocs initially.
0: I dead ass didn't notice. (laughs) Yeah. Until somebody pointed them out. Mostly because I was looking at his beautiful face, but. I mean, how can you not? How can you not? I was also, like, very normal and hinged when somebody pointed out that, like, when Jim is like, my favorite color is teal, they were like, Oluwande wears a teal earring. And I was like, oh, thanks. My heart (laughs) (laughs)
2: is
0: (laughs) out. Gnashing my teeth, gnawing the bars of my enclosure.
1: (laughs) I've got my hinges all the way on today. Yeah, fully hinged. (laughs) so normal about it. So normal about it. But yeah, I can't tell
0: with the Crocs specifically if they bought a pair of Crocs and added stuff to them to make them look like they were made of green painted leather and hand sewn with a big cartoon seam down the middle, just as you said. (laughs) Or if they bought a pair of Crocs and then disassembled them to make a pattern that they then made out of green painted leather. And patterned them? Which is worse, I wonder. (laughs) Both options so good. I believe that Samson Kayo has said he was like, yeah, they were literally Crocs. And I'd be willing to believe that you could make foam look like that. My only question would be like, how durable are they? Because they look like they really put them through the ringer but they might have had multiple pairs. Also, Olawande specifically doesn't really do a whole lot of running, jumping, climbing trees. That's true. He's not a big swashbuckler on the crew. He is, as the Crocs would suggest, a very comfy, cozy guy. He is here neither to swash or buckle.
1: (laughs) He's the ideas man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He's the only one with more than one brain cell on that entire damn ship. (laughs) easily. Frenchie has many brain cells. Unfortunately, the bulk of them are devoted to superstition. So yes, Frenchie (laughs) is your aunt who is really into multi-level marketing and crystals.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Buttons also has some really, really good costuming decisions. All of his clothing seems to be made of like patchworked denim kind of
2: yes
0: yeah Yeah. he's like made of jeans i looked at my screen i was like is that what why is there a denim jacket on this boat I'm losing my mind. It's like a denim jacket, but then it also has the like little, what looks like a lapel, but then he turns around and it's like the little flat back sailor collar, which was not a thing until like mid 19th century, I want to say. I have to check, (laughs) but like I don't think sailors were wearing those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the textures in this show are just delicious. They're wonderful. The, like, little crop jacket that Lucius has that's made of, like, a rug, probably, <laughs> with tassels. Yes, I love that. It's just, mm, yum, 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 yum. A lot of the cast members who are portraying Steed's crew in particular said that their costumes felt like pajamas. They were just really comfy to be in. <laughs> so they felt kind of bad for Blackbeard's crew. <laughs> in their head to toe leather. That is the beauty of like weathered clothing. And even when it's like fake weathered, a lot of the time the techniques that you use to weather stuff, like some of it is paint, some of it is dye, but a lot of it is like throwing stuff into the washing machine with way too much fabric softener and a couple of like rocks. <laughs> And just beating the absolute snot out of it. So so yeah, like stuff would be really soft. and Like it does end up being really comfy.
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I learned how to weather denim in high school because, you know, of course. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked to find out that it's literally like put it in a bag with rocks. Go nuts on that (laughs) son of a bitch.
0: Just go absolutely ham.
1: Someone was just like, yeah, I've got I've got a burner washing machine that I fill with bricks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh to be in a position of life where
0: <laughs> where I have a burner washing machine. Every word in that sentence was unhinged. Oh, God. God that rules. It is interesting that like none of his crew have ponytails. Hey. Yeah. A lot of them have long hair, but none of them seem to be, I don't know, maybe it's because none of them are supposed to be like professional sailors, but it would be typical for this time period for at least a couple of them to have a long like pigtail braid, like dipped in tar. Wait, dipped in tar? Wait, what? Dipped in tar, babe. Yep. Dipped in tar. To
1: weatherproof your hair?
0: To weatherproof your hair. (laughs) That does make a sort of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. I think it really speaks To the fact that his crew is just a bunch of miscreants that he like scooped up from somewhere and none of them actually know how to sail. Like, Buttons has the longest hair and like seems to have the most sailing experience, but he's also clearly absolutely banana pants. Why doesn't the Swede ever tie it back? I wonder with those long flowing locks. I think he's just supposed to look like he's from ABBA. So, mission completed. Further further <laughs> heterosexual musical references
1: dropped into our pirate costuming. Oh my god. Ken, are you calling the chain gay? Yes. Yes I am. <laughs> <laughs> Unpossible.
0: Also, real quick, why the fuck does Black Pete have an actual horseshoe for a belt buckle? That has been tormenting me for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just- I don't know. The saddest fact is that I didn't notice that until my sixth
1: rewatch of the full series.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was finally at that level where I'm like, really focusing on on some really background characters to the point where I'm like, watching Black Pete in scenes where he's just like wandering through the background. I'm noticing, hey, wait, that's just a horseshoe. And not a belt buckle shaped like a horseshoe, but an actual full-sized horseshoe. Like you would put... On a horse? Yeah, one of
1: those. It's huge. <laughs> I think you guys are a little bit naive about belt buckle culture. Maybe so. The truth is that if it couldn't be put on a pants, it will be used as a belt buckle. I had a folk art belt buckle that was just an entire ass license plate, like in the shop once. Stop, are you kidding me? <laughs> there is a certain brand of dude that will just take a thing he likes and he will, that is his buckle.
0: Is it like, is it like a look at my junk thing? Is that? Yes. Okay. All right. 100%. Yes. Okay. That tracks with Pete.
1: (laughs) It's a crossover. I'm so hardcore. Look at my junk. I'm so hardcore. Come look at my junk. Got it. Returning once again to Judas Priest.
0: I mean, that also makes sense (laughs) given that like, Blackbeard, when he actually appears, is totally, you know, I mean, he's he's still got, like, leather fall front pants, but in Black Pete's, like, vision of him when he's, like, telling the story about how, you know, Blackbeard met him and was like, I love you forever or whatever... He has this like obnoxious cod piece.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> this giant leather cod piece with a skull hanging next to it. It's like huge and yeah, I just I think Black Pete has a little crush. That's all I'm going to say. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Good for him.
1: So yeah, that's my read is that it is meant to suggest a sort of fake bravado on Pete's part. That completely tracks. As underscored, yeah, of course, by the fact that he's constantly bragging about a man he's clearly never met. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Can I also say one other thing About Black Pete, which, like, I love him a lot, but it does drive me up the absolute wall when he's like, I'm not fucking sewing. That's women's work. And I was like, What kind of sailor do you call yourself, buddy? What the fuck kind of sailor are you? That's some nonsense. Is this, wait, is this further proof that he's, is this further proof that he is the least experienced member of the crew in terms of actual sailing and pirating?
1: Precisely so. Yes. To tie in with his bravado, he's pretending to be a sailor, but in real in, in truth, he has no idea what it actually goes into being a sailor. Absolutely.
0: Sewing is just tying knots with a blade. Every sailor should be able to do that. Right. It's you don't get that many clothes when you are a sailor, and especially if you are a broke ass sailor, which is what a pirate is. Yes. And especially if you were out at sea, you're not hopping down to the tailor's shop for repairs. No! You have one shirt, one pair of slops, it's on your body, and if it tears, you have to sew it up! Right, it's not aesthetics. Busted clothes don't keep you warm. Busted clothes don't protect you from the sun. It's very much a safety thing. Sailors absolutely knew how to sew, and in fact, many of them would actually do not just what was called plane work, which is, you know, repair. And, and making clothing, many of them also knew how to do fancy work, which is what like they would call embroidery and stuff like that. And they would do it to pass the time on ships. Some of them later on, you would, there are actually these very, very cute little uh, embroideries on sailcloth using like wool that they would get. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, they would like embroider their own ship and then sell it for extra cash. Uh, and they're very sweet.
1: Oh no. I've embroidered my ship. <laughs> right?
0: Many of them would also carry something called a hussif, which is a corruption of the word housewife, uh, which is like a little roll-up sewing kit. And, you know, sometimes wives or girlfriends would make them for them, but sometimes they would make them themselves out of out of a little piece of, of sailcloth. It wasn't like a girly thing. It was just like, this is a life skill that you have to know how to do because textiles are crazy valuable. Yes. And furthermore, you are on a wooden ship that is powered by sails. And the cool thing about sails is (laughs) they're made of cloth. Word. Which means that when they tear, there's really only one way to repair them. And you'd better know how, because if you can't repair them, you're dying out here. Right. If your sail is full (laughs) of cannon holes, you best believe that shit's not catching the wind. Anyway, I'm glad everyone on this call agrees that Black Pete's full of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's his journey, you know? It is. It is. I'm so proud of him.
1: I think that he's going to get some character development in a major way with actually, like, seeing what Blackbeard is like. Yeah. Instead of his romanticized, huge codpiece version of him. That's
0: true. Yeah. That or he's going to reunite with his boyfriend and be like, oh my god, you had the ultimate Blackbeard experience. I'm so jealous. <laughs>
1: Well, it could go either way. <laughs> I want that. I want that one. I think that would be really funny. Yeah, that's true. In, t- in terms of comedy, that's the winner. Lucius would be so mad.
0: Returning, if we may, to pigtails dipped in tar for weatherproofing your hair, there is one character who does have a pigtail. Oh, yeah. Truly the most personally gratifying to me role that Rory Kinnear has ever portrayed on film. Yes. They literally said, give me the cartoon version of Lucky Jack Aubrey. And he said, Roger, that can do. And he fucking did. He put his whole ass into it. He portrays the badminton twins, who are both parodies of different kinds of stories the British Navy likes to tell about itself in the early 19th
1: century. It is easily my favorite role that Rory Kinnear's ever done. <laughs> it is so good.
0: I want him to come back for season three as a third surprise badminton. <laughs> <laughs> I need multiple badminton siblings. I need badminton second cousins once removed who also still inexplicably look exactly like Rory Kinnear. Yes. Just like a full Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder style. He's all of them. He's every single one. Male, female, young, old, everything. So the characters in question are Nigel and Chauncey Badminton. The fact that his name is Chauncey. They are British naval officers. Steed first meets and murders Nigel in the initial episode and then is hunted down by Chauncey for revenge. And remember at the top of this episode when I said this show was fall-off-the-couch funny?
1: It's because of shit like this. Yeah, Rook your carries a lot of that. <laughs> because even the
0: costumes are in on the joke. Because it's not just British naval uniforms. They're certainly not early 18th century British naval uniforms they are peak napoleonic naval battle uniforms taken up to 11 because the one note that kept coming up as they were crafting these uniforms was more cuffs and the end result is a cuff that a man could stick his entire head into (laughs) that goes from wrist to elbow on rory kinnear's arm it's so extra it is so cartoonish And it's just, like, it is a parody of the visual language of power. It is so obviously, like, this is what Steed is referring to when he's like, well, you have to outdress your enemy. This is the culture that he is getting that mindset from, (laughs) a culture where these freaking bucket cuffs are normal. (laughs) I love them so much. And in fact, a flex. They look so stupid. I love them so much. They're so stupid. And the fact that like he has the the Russell Crowe blonde ponytail, but then he wears the like George Washington Q wig with another ponytail just over it. Yes. It's delicious. I'm obsessed. so good yeah oh my god it's really outstanding i maintain that like one of the funniest lines in the entire series and nathan Foad will back me up on this is just (laughs) in the first episode where he's got the spyglass and he just goes "I." it's outstanding (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid oh god but yes so now a controversy I personally have encountered within the R flag means death fandom, which is underwear. Does it exist? We just don't know. Actually, we do. Yes,
1: it does. It's exist. always existed. Oh my god! You're know. gonna sweat right under your we nice clothes. You gonna sweat right onto them? You disgust me. <laughs> Yes, it was a thing.
0: It did exist. It was real. I will die on this hill. Underwear existed prior to Calvin Klein.
1: Stop telling people otherwise. You have to believe me. Ken, you don't have to die on that hill. We have a lot of proof that people had underwears.
0: (laughs) There's so much. Pre-home washing machine laundry practices do not work unless you have a layer of clothing on under your outerwear. Yes. And it has to be bleachable, it has to be hard-wearing, and you have to be able to have a lot of it. Yes! Yeah. I don't know where that myth comes from, because I also fell victim to this. I was like, wait, they just like went around like ghoulies out, and it's like, no, 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 The explanation I have heard is, they didn't have underwear, they just had a layer of clothing under their outerwear that they changed daily to combat body odor and protect the outer layer from body soil. That's what underwear is! (laughs) (laughs) is.
1: Oh, so what they think is that they didn't have panties back then, which might be true. Izzy, Izzy definitely has panties. Well, except that Izzy's wearing panties!
0: (laughs) Within, our flag meets death specifically! We're in it's only 1717 when it's funny or dramatically convenient. (laughs) We see characters wearing both period-accurate and other forms of underwear on screen in the series itself. Did you even watch the show? Because there are linen shirt and drawers on Steed in his homecoming at the end of episode 9, and on the British naval officers they take hostage in episodes 2 and 3. And in episode 10, we see Izzy Hand's little black hysterical
1: boy shorts.
0: God... Con O'Neill is such a gift.
1: Con O'Neill is wearing panties! (laughs) I've seen that underwear advertised on Autostraddle! Like, what?!
0: I think the confusion comes from the fact that people are like, oh, well, breeches were so like close cut. And like, we only have a couple of extant examples of things like drawers. And they're not always mentioned in like records of garments or whatever. And like, I think people may be freeballed occasionally, you know, as they do today.
1: Well, that's the thing is, is like that freeballing is just sort of a personal choice. Not like a historical one.
0: It is. It is. Well, also, it's not free-balling because the shirt is underwear. Exactly. The shirt tails are being tucked under your button balls to protect them from your breeches. Correct. Because the shirt is the underwear. Correct. And we know this not just through, you know, historical evidence, pictorial evidence, written evidence. We also have certain stains on shirt tails that suggest where on the human body they were placed. That sucks. I hate that.
1: (laughs) I don't enjoy that, Ken. I don't like it.
0: (laughs) So sorry! I love historical accuracy, but also (laughs) ye olde butt sweat. (laughs) Much like puffin beaks, pain shared is pain halved, so I have to spread this knowledge (laughs) as far and wide as possible. 18th century underwear real, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably, yeah, pretty comfy. And in our flag means that specifically, it is extra real because Izzy's just wearing auto straddle boy shorts. (laughs) He just has little black panties on.
2: We see
1: them! Like, he is just wearing panties, though, like... He for real is. That's panties.
0: They are specifically boy shorts, which is...
1: Yeah, that's the kind, like, n- sorry to TMI, that's the kind I wear, like...
0: <laughs> yeah, no offense to that's, D, that's, specifically... <laughs> possibly the most frustrating form of underwear in existence because it claims to have the coverage of boxer briefs. It extremely doesn't. What it does have is two weird little cuffs around your hips that ride up right into your grundle whenever you move.
1: I think they're basically fine, but that's what they are. I think it depends on your grundle.
0: (laughs) I will cite the C2E2 2022 R Flybeans death panel, where when asked about the best and worst parts of Izzy's costume, Con O'Neill himself said, best thing is the leather pants, the worst thing is my underpants under the leather pants. Which, if he was wearing those boy shorts, I can see how that was a
1: problem. I think that what he was really trying to say is that he wanted the leather on his altogether. (laughs) He wanted to free
0: ball, which I just... I know a number of English male theater actors of a certain age and they are all sort of like oh no one or two steps away from either like making out with their co stars or removing some article of clothing at any given time. And it would not surprise me if Conathan (laughs) O'Nonathan was one of those. God, he's unhinged. I'm so glad. He really is.
1: He's a gift.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what's the deal with Izzy? Can we talk about Izzy?
1: Yeah, what's going on with Izzy's costume? He looks like he's there for goth night at the gay club. (laughs) He is. Izzy is there at club machine. And which is weird because I I like, just as a quick read, I don't think he would like comic Christ.
0: But I do think he
1: would like everything
0: else about Machine, which is a very particular club in Boston, which serves a very particular subculture. And I think it's everything Izzy wants.
1: <laughs> R- rip and peace, Machine actually, unfortunately shut down. Balls. No.
0: So Izzy. Izzy. Izzy is on Blackbeard's crew. So he should be in full Judas Priest leather gear. He is following the dress code to a point in that he is in all black. However, it is, I would say, boy shorts aside, more historical question mark? Um, it's some kind of historical, but it's all of, it's all of history is the crazy part. Yes, it's all of history on one man's body at once. <laughs> Literally, he has these like Gibson girl sleeves, which are just was going to fascinating ask about to me. Those. Why does he have a leg of mutton sleeves and also where can I get that shirt? It would make my arms look so big.
1: I think it's a bishop sleeve (laughs) and not a leg of mutton sleeve, not to be pedantic. Wow,
0: okay, sorry. But
1: I've got a costume designer here to back me up about whether I'm right or wrong. Well,
0: so the thing is, it's... So a f- true full leg of mutton or a gigo sleeve would be like one continuous like big puff at the shoulder and then taper to the wrist. What this is, is like a demi-gigot. So it has the big puff at the shoulder to the elbow and then the like long cuff that goes all the way to the elbow. A bishop sleeve, it is like that droopy shape, but um, the cuff is more cuff sized. It's not like the entire forearm.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Either way- It's an insane choice. Like... (laughs) Yeah, shirts didn't look like this. Um, his waistcoat, with its uh, like curved lapels, is way more like mid-19th century, question mark? Yeah, the thing that was throwing me about the all the other waistcoats in the series was that no collars, no lapels, it's just a circle and a line down the front, and we're done, we're good, put buttons on it, let's right. go. Right, but Izzy is from the future, and he's a fancy little boy, <laughs> And, uh, he wanted to feel special. And, yeah, so his waistcoat has these beautiful, like, Dickensian curved lapels. (laughs) It's like a- is it a shawl collar? No. Maybe? Yeah, it's cute. Either way. It is leather, though. So he is- he is sticking to that part of the brief. It is leather, but it's leather that refuses to expose an inch of skin that isn't above the neck or one hand. His left hand, specifically. His left hand. Yep. His sword hand is always gloved. He's pretty weird about it. <laughs> There's not a lot of things that Izzy isn't weird about. That's true. If we're being perfectly fair. I don't know what you're talking about. He's a very normal man. <laughs> <laughs> he's extremely normal and he'll be the first one to tell you that. Right. He has a completely healthy relationship with his with his boss. Yeah. And he's definitely not baby girl. I love the little detail showing that uh, that Izzy is in fact an experienced sailor. He has the uh, he has the swallow tattoo on his neck, which was a uh, not the typical placement. No, not the typical placement. My understanding was it was usually like an more of an epaulette thing, like on the shoulders. But um, for some reason, Izzy wants you to know that his neck can swallow.
1: Stop. <laughs> I I guess that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, sure. I
0: was like fully setting myself up to like make a joke about him being a never nude, and so like the only way anyone's ever gonna see it is on his neck. But um, you really just came out swinging <laughs>
1: with that one. You just said that out loud with your with your human mouth, the one on your face. With
0: your whole, you said chest. that, huh?
1: Why else is it on the neck? Why is it on the neck? Oh, because neck tattoos are hardcore. Because he's a bad bitch. <laughs> Because he's a bad
0: bitch. Sailor tattoos have specific meanings and specific placements.
1: (laughs) Because his costume was going to cover up his lower back, where he wanted the tattoo originally. (laughs) You really wanted a
0: whale tail. (laughs) But it's like a literal whale tail. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I'm really interested to see whether we get the reveal of the one hand. Because I have seen some some kind of interesting theories about whether or not, like, his habit of, like, swiping his hand over candles when he's lying. Whether that's related to Blackbeard's burning the whole boat incident that Calico Jack references. Which could be the reason that he keeps a glove on, is if he has, like, big burn scars. Uh I don't know, maybe this is like several, several leaps. My theory was that he had a tattoo that was somehow even more telling than a swallow on his throat. So- (laughs) (laughs) Just I heart Blackbeard XOXO. Right? Yeah, like- (laughs) Mrs. Izzy Blackbeard.
1: (laughs) So the two theories here- The two theories here are some sort of malformation or scarring Mm -hmm. or slutty tattoo. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just really embarrassing. Not necessarily slutty. It could just be a tattoo with a different meaning. It could be like the black spot out of Treasure Island or something. You don't know.
1: <laughs> just very slutty, very embarrassing tattoo. <laughs>
0: Either way. Oh,
1: God. Yeah, I never know what to do because usually when a character's wearing two gloves, I'm like, they just like me for real, for real. Uh-huh. But he's only wearing the one which makes me distinctly uncomfortable. So I actually don't know any of his motivations for it.
0: Is it just that he's always ready to throw down? That he's always got his sword on him and it helps him keep his grip so he can kick lots of ass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's probably what he tells himself, but I think it's because he nasty. That's what he tells himself while weeping into the glove. Correct. He's a bad bitch. <laughs> So I can't tell if his boots are riding boots or the same boots that the English naval officers are wearing when they're in uniform. I'm, like, desperately trying to find an image of his boots. Do you have a good full body? I have a JPEG titled What Are Those? Ken's got a
1: crisp, glossy JPEG of his boots <laughs> for normal reasons. Oh, what are those
0: JPEG? Yes. <laughs> Hello. Those look like cowboy boots. Right? Okay. like That was my thought. That was my thought. Yeah, those are like very, but they're, they're very straight shaft. Teehee. Which makes me inclined to think English riding boots? No, English riding boots don't have that kind of toe. These have a very pointed toe and a very, like, block but, like, tapered heel, which says Western to me. Okay. But, yeah, I want to see... I'm going to look in your folder that says not pics of Izzy Hands and see if there's anything
1: else from the top (laughs) of the boot. There couldn't
0: possibly be pictures of Izzy Hands in there. It says
1: it's not on the lake. There couldn't possibly. Yeah, this (laughs) note says right there that it's not. They're not in there.
0: They're not there. Yeah, what the heck? Because they're not, they don't have the pull, um, the pull tabs that some, right, like, Western boots are. They, like, they're straight across. But it is also, like, it is also easy enough to replace the shaft on a boot if you have a good crafts department. Oh, Wild, his waistcoat also has, what are those holes? Oh, my God, this man is an enigma. (laughs) I'm, like, mad. What the hell's going on with his
1: It's extremely costume.
0: <laughs> his stupid little cuff that looks hand sewn on? Why does it flare out like that? What's wrong with you, Izzy Hands? Tell me everything. So much. So much to so, so much. Where do we begin with what's wrong with Izzy hands? I'm bottling him and shaking the bottle vigorously. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so much wrong with Izzy hands.
0: Fizzy hands. Hi. 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 Oh, God. So, remember how Blackbeard's pants have a very particular um, flair to them? What with the fall front and the easy access snap button sides? Correct.
1: Yeah, the ye olde tearaway pants. (laughs) Yeah. Mine clubbing pants.
0: Izzy is also wearing leather pants, But they're definitely not tearaways, and instead of a fall front, he has a possibly question mark more historical, despite being leather fucking pants, lace up deal going on in the front. Yeah, they are laced to within an inch of their life. Like, he really, like, yanked on those.
1: Like, they don't look comfortably laced. (laughs) That's why he's got the one ungloved hand. (laughs) I gotta, gotta relace the pants.
0: Yeah, no, it's very much, I mean, it's clearly, like, some visual storytelling there about his intensity and repression. Very much so. Very much Edward's easy access contrasted against literally tying yourself into the tightest, and least, forgiving trousers known to humankind. Correct. And now, two hours into the recording, oh my <laughs> I God. would like to...
1: <laughs> Has it really?
0: Just about. Almost there. Uh, I would like to talk about The Ring. The one ring to rule them all, and the one ring to find them, the one wing to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. Ah, uh, yes. That ring. That ring. Because Izzy has a scarf, so no one can see anything of his throat beyond the swallow tattoo. And it is held in place not by a tie pin, but by a ring, which Turbo Nerds immediately clocked and demanded answers on.
1: Well, he's very he's very fancy. He is very fancy. A man can't have a ring? Is that normal? <laughs>
0: But this is Izzy Hands we're talking about. Izzy Hands doesn't like the finer things.
1: And he's not wearing rings on any fingers. Oh boy, is that where you're gonna take this? What? Oh, I thought you were implying it was a cock ring. <laughs> no, Jesus, <laughs> I was just like, jeez. all right, sure. No. <laughs> Why not? Could be anything.
0: It's just a regular human ring that would go on a finger, but he's putting it on his tie. If Steed is action piracy Barbie, Izzy is like pirate version Cochran Ken. No, <laughs> Izzy is not ring magic Ken. <laughs> can't be. Anyway. His pants are too tight. The story around uh, Izzy's ring is actually uh, considerably more touching than we ghouls are making it sound. Yeah. Yeah. When asked about the ring at the aforementioned C2E2 panel, Con O'Neill said, quote, There is a backstory to the ring, and I'm never going to tell you, purely because I haven't told anyone. By this he means the backstory he made up for the character himself. Because part of getting these roles was making up backstories for your characters, and while Con O'Neill didn't personally have to do that because he had a different audition process, he did get into the classic actor thing of like, well, no one told me. So I'm going to make it up and carry it with me throughout my performance and make it extra tragic and sad when horrible Muppety things happen to this guy. (laughs) And the ring itself, Khan goes on to say, the ring was actually given to me as one of the last items of the costume and my mum passed at that time and so I asked for the ring to be an emerald as opposed to the stone that they had because that was her stone. So the ring has quite a profound meaning to me as an actor, to me as a person, but also very different meaning to Izzy. It's quite a profound thing that you've all noticed the ring, you've made my mum very happy.
2: Aww.
0: Which is a very sweet note to end on after all of the horrible things we said about Izzy hands.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ruin that. By the way, I meant to ask <laughs> Is, is, is his pants have a garter? His pants? It's been bugging me for ages. He- on his left thigh, there's like something tied there. It looks like he's got a pant garter, but just the one.
0: Are you seeing the thing that's keeping his sword from flapping about all over the place when it's in it, Sheath? That might- is that it? I think it's a sword keeper kind of deal. Like it's a little stabilizer guy.
1: Oh. It's hard to tell with all of the stuff he has on and how slutty the rest of the outfit is. And the fact that it's just black on black on black. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Well, it does have the happy accident of looking like a garter. <laughs> Sexy.
0: No, but he does seem to have he has a little scarf tied around his arm in one of these, which for a second, I thought that might be like what is keeping his sleeves up like he's an old timey bartender. He's tying them up like a Victorian clerk. (laughs) But I think it's only on the one arm and I do think his sleeves are just cut like that. So I don't know. Maybe it's just for extra aerodynamics. I don't know. Speaking of the black on black on black. Yes. One person I passed like a ship in the night on the internet suggested that Izzy's shirt is actually green because in some super bright full sunlight shots, it seems faintly dark green. That's just how dye works. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then I had to explain to this person, as a lifelong goth, that's just what happens to black clothing in sunlight. Like everything fades. That's also like color grading in film. Yeah, like it's not it's not secretly green. No. It's just black. It's okay. Yeah, he just doesn't have matching blacks, which is normal. Big mood. Yes.
1: None of us have matching blacks. It's okay, Izzy. No. Nope. No one does.
0: Unless you're wearing fully Vanta Black, you do not have matching blacks. Next season, Izzy shows up in full Vanta Black. <laughs> Izzy the void. <laughs> He's just a hole. (laughs) Just like he always wanted. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I've done this. (gasps) Uh, Amazing. So, Hannah, in the entirety of Our Flag Means Death, which would you say is your favorite costume? Oh, man. I think my favorite costume. Honestly, in terms of pure storytelling, it's Steed's last one. It's when he's completely, like, stripped away. Like, dramaturgically, I think that is one of the most beautiful looks because he's completely shed all of this pretense, all of his, like, protective layers. He is just in as close to a natural state as he can be without being, you know, (laughs) rowing a rowboat in the nude. But I think aesthetically, teal is also my favorite color. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, <a> good color.
0: <laughs> His original suit, it's just beautiful. It establishes him as a character so well. It shows up against that like warm wood color of the boat. It shows up against his hair. It like sets him apart from the crew. And it's such a little like pop of color that says, like, hey, this is going to be a silly story. We are going to have fun here. So honestly, yeah, Steed's first and last. Like, there's a lot of elaborate and beautiful choices throughout the rest of the show but just storytelling wise i think yeah the first and the last ones are
1: actually my favorite
0: how about you how do i pick just one
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha. Um, you do it
0: i realize i just made you do that on the spot just now <laughs> but how very cruel and unprecedented if you'd have turned it back on me <laughs> got him <laughs> d how about you <laughs> well i think Frantically,
1: Blackbeard. I like. There's just no comparison. Mm-hmm. Just the full Mad Max. That's the thing. Is like it's unfair on every side because I grew up obsessed with Mad Max. I have a model replica of the Interceptor. Oh, that was originally only sold in Japan. <laughs> so like that's the level I'm at. Oh my God, King. <laughs> I love Mad Max dearly. So seeing Taika Waititi come out full Mad Max, like yeah, I'm a hundred percent here for it. It rules. <laughs>
0: All right, Ken, you have to choose. And any costumes you don't choose as your favorite are going into a blender. No. (laughs) I'm kidding. They're all beautiful. Can we have a moment for Spanish Jackie? Oh my God, please. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And her prince by way of Captain Hook suit. Yes. Just exquisite. It really is perfect. It's this beautiful red crushed velvet ensemble. With the finger waves? Yes. With the finger waves? Yes. Uh. And I feel like Leslie Jones, who portrays Spanish Jacket, agrees with us because if I could quote from her Polygon interview on Our Flight Means Death. Jones tells Polygon that this image of pirates was a big part of the appeal in taking the role. My agent sent it over and said, they're really interested in having you play this pirate, she says. I was like, oh, I'm on. As soon as they said pirate, I was like, are you kidding me? I get to wear pirate boots? Yes, for sure. (laughs) They told me Spanish Jackie has a wooden hand and like 20 husbands. I was like, sign me up. I'll do this for free. (laughs) And sure enough, she did get those pirate boots she signed on for. I got nice Rick James boots, she cackles. The ones that go up to the knee. And don't they just.
1: And we stand with her. (laughs) It is
0: such a look. Steed wishes his outfits had that kind of power move energy. He really, yeah, ain't nobody messing with Spanish Jackie. Googling images of Spanish Jackie also just reminds me of the glory that is uh, Fred Armisen's, like, crappy little tux vest. (laughs) It's so So good. It's so, like, blatantly modern. It's just like, yeah, he's just a dinky little waiter. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. He's decorative. (laughs) One of Jackie's ornamental husbands. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And his little neckerchief. Yeah, so okay, I guess uh, Izzy isn't the only person who has uh, some lapels. These two do as well. She also has a really swanky looking like tooled leather belt corset thing. That's hot. I want to see more of that. (laughs) That's hot. Jackie, take your jacket (laughs) off, please. I wish to see. There's also a subtle change in it between her first appearance in episode three and her next appearance at the end of episode six. Mm? Like it's all very much that red, white, black ensemble, but it's a different fabric.
1: Oh, hang on. She's got the range. What can I
0: say? If I'm remembering correctly, it looks like it goes from crushed red velvet to some kind of like jacquard weave. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it's just the camera treatment. Yeah, okay. So I'm seeing, yeah, I'm seeing this, like, crushed velvety look. God bless you, Polygon, and your super high def images. (laughs) I'm kissing you on the mouth. (laughs) No, I think it's the, I think it's the same, Ken.
2: Oh, Yeah. I got it. I was
0: really hoping that Leslie Jones got multiple dope-ass pirate suits. I mean, I also want that for her. I want that for her so badly. But also, you know, sometimes when you have a look that works, you just like, boom, you stick with it. Boy, does it work. It really does. It's outstanding. It's fitted impeccably. It is cartoonishly pirate
1: <laughs> So good. So perfect. And she looks fine in it. Hell yeah. She does.
0: And fitting as a character choice to tell us more about her role in the story because yes she is this badass figure whom everyone cowers before but also She's running an extremely touristy pirate bar, so of course she's dressed up as the most caricature of a pirate possible. That's a great point. I think she's, like, one of the only ones wearing, like, a full-on Seinfeld pirate shirt. Yeah. Whereas everybody everybody else has, like, an actual, like, jabot or neckcloth, um, but she has a neckcloth and, like, the ruffle-fronted Seinfeld shirt. <laughs> yes. And it's so good. Queen. Is there anything else we need to cover in our two-hour Our Flag Means Death historical costuming episode, or will we just have to make a part two? Oh, my God. I mean... Man, is there anything
1: that you wanted to include?
0: We haven't talked about the leled costumes, the French party ship. We haven't talked about any of the women's wear. We haven't talked about Calico Jack. Oh, God damn. I know. Oh, we're going to have to do a part two. I mean... Well... If the people... If the people want more.
1: And notably, the people in this case is... me and ken because uh, like we love you we love you so much but it is our podcast <laughs> <laughs> we love you we respect you you're so special to us it is still our podcast <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> just saying oh my god i think it could be
0: cool to like dig into some of that stuff and then also like i don't know if you wanted to field questions
1: question mark? Oh, you, oh, you're opening yourself to uh,
0: to take questions? I would take questions. This might be a massive mistake.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, are you listening? Do you want to turn this into a massive mistake? <laughs> right in. <laughs>
0: Email us at gmail.com.
1: You say I'm going to I'm going to make you all regret those words. In the meantime,
0: Hannah, where can they find you? Oh god. Uh <laughs> Any inquiries, corrections, or character assassinations can be sent to HJ Havercamp on Twitter or Havercamp Inc. on Tumblr.
1: Fun side note: When I was, uh, I brought up some Izzy Hands images to reference his costume, and one of your pieces came up. God
0: damn it! <laughs> 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 that that illustration <laughs> has ruined my notes on Tumblr for all time. Yeah i don't (laughs) regret it i'm glad i did it we're all glad
1: you should never regret it it's beautiful
0: (laughs) sources for this episode include hbo max (laughs) no i have a document
2: (laughs) include
0: nicole rudolph's youtube videos fashion in the age of pirates and what did pirates actually wear and also the YouTube video The Untold Story of Steed Bonnet's Necktie by Rin Decision. And the YouTube video of the C2E2 2022 r Flag Means Death panel. Also the Los Angeles County Museum of Art for the blue suit. The Victoria and Albert Museum for one of my many, many documents under proof that underwear is real. Hannah Green. At Hannah Green Costumes on Instagram for all of her wonderful posts on the behind the scenes of how these costumes got made. And yes, HBO Max for hosting the damned show, but also Polygon, their article on same, and the Art of Fuckery zine, a fanzine which has wonderful cast and crew interviews, beautiful art, delightful fic, and which, as of this recording, is no longer for sale. <laughs> Tragic. But I have my copy and I hold it gently every night. Sing it lullabies. <laughs> Sing it <at> shanties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. This was an absolute blast. Oh my
1: god. Absolute delight. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I always love doing
0: these with you. I enjoy any opportunity I get to screech about pirates and historical costumes. So this is a real doubleheader for me. Hell yeah. I love it.
1: And don't forget, write in to make Hannah regret saying... (laughs) (laughs) Do your worst. (laughs) Anything.
0: No, really, like, <laughs> after, after the last episode where I got Lord Byron and Bo Brummel mixed up, I was like, please, I need to redeem myself. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> You'll get a two-episode redemption arc, if not more, don't worry. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, you guys.
1: Thanks for being on. Of course.
0: If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, .tumblr antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varian the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love and thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!